Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's with us Fridays at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, thank you. It's good to be with you, even though very difficult uh, week. We'll start, as we always do, with the immediate news. Uh, the rumor is that in some cities in Israel it was a quieter night last night. What can you tell us? Uh, well, it depends on what your definition of quiet is. There were some places where uh, it was quiet, but there were many uh, rockets, there were drones, uh, uh, there were um, other projectiles that were shot. But Israel, as you know, has mass troops, especially in the northern area. And there were reports that they had uh, crossed in, but it, the fact is they did not cross in. Uh, they did fire in, and they're there in a very menacing way for Hamas, who I think did not anticipate this, this reaction. Um, they claim that they could go on for a long time, and I think they have fired now 2,000 rockets in three or four days, and the um, uh, supply there is certainly in the thousands uh, more that they have available, but their leadership is being eliminated, and people don't recognize the names, but they believe me, they are really important targets the most important targets that Israel could could go after, and doing it with great success, which shows that their intelligence is really amazing, so much so that that uh, Hamas is is pressing for a one year ceasefire that they're offering through the Egyptians and the Qataris and others who are who are trying to negotiate uh, on their behalf or with them to to uh, reach an, an, some sort of a deal with Israel. Israel has said, we're not ready for that yet. The targets you, the targets you describe, I mean, is it three, is it 30? Like, targets you described, what sounds like high-level people within, the, within Hamas, I mean, how many did they take out? Do we have a number, an approximation? Dozens. Wow, that's pretty significant. It's very significant. And they're doing it in a targeted way. And again, people should should, be, should know this so they can answer. And if they right. can call up the shows, first of all, everything, you know, this moral equivalency in, in the American media as if both sides, and even some statements from the administration, you know, both sides deserve democracy. And the Palestinians are not democracy, not by Israel, but by the other side. And the whole idea of linking this in some way when without recognizing that there was the failure of the election in an attempt to divert attention from the election that Iran and Turkey are behind instigating these things and the I mean the the multiple agendas uh, that are involved um, and the the fact that Israel responds to the provo- provocations that took place on the, the Temple Mount and other places they did not provoke them they didn't deny them the right to go there during Ramadan even though with covid and other things they would have had excuses if they wanted to but they didn't and they didn't interfere maybe they they let them go too long without interfering as the violence uh, spread they may have made mistakes, you know, closing off the Damascus Gate or other things, That, uh, but that's not the root cause of this. And the, the moral equivalency of saying that the firefighter and the arsonist are the, are the same is, is so outrageous. And, and yet intelligent people, I hear them on the media all the time, they talk about uh, Israel's aggression. What aggression? You're defending your country. They haven't crossed the border. They didn't go anywhere to do this, except in their own cities, their towns, 
and maybe also did, were too tolerant of uh, of these events. Now they, I know they made a lot of arrests last night in Lud, but I was speaking to the people during the event there, uh, friends of mine who lived there and who really believed, you know, because they believed in a mixed city and et cetera, that this was the ideal place to be. And it was a pogrom. You know, they destroyed either three or five shuls but and yeshivas. They took Sifrei Torah and threw them on the ground, opened them up in the Nazi-like pictures. And and they mobbed people and attacked people on the street, a guy going to shul yesterday morning. So, you know, people have to understand what the real nature of this assault is and the whatever, you know, causes there are that can happen locally. And there were Jews who, who misbehaved. And, and uh, Ma- Malcolm, I, I got I to gotta ask you to please turn off the... I know it's important, whatever notifications you're getting, but I don't think the audience can handle that every few seconds. I got to go back for a moment to um, uh, the the uh, provocation, because, you know, we could point to God knows how many episodes over the last many, many years, let's say since 2014, since the last large-scale uh, operation, uh, that would you know, provoke, quote-unquote, the enemy to wake up and to start attacking Jews both on the border, as you described, and through rockets, and of course, within, you know, mixed Israeli-Arab neighborhoods. But, uh, so, so, so when people point to this Supreme Court decision, people need to know this, because we need to know how to respond. The Supreme Court decision on housing in East Jerusalem is nothing more than a convenient excuse, or today's convenient excuse, for all this rioting and, and, and rocket launching to begin. It's not an excuse at all, uh, Nahum. I know that's not what you meant, but uh, I mean, it is not an excuse because the court ruling was a demonstration of the fairness with which Israel acted. They could easily have removed these people because the property is owned by Jews. People don't know the history. This was built in 1890 by Jews. It was taken over by the Arabs. I won't go through all the permutations in the different periods when the British were there and when the Mahpalmach wanted back and the British didn't let them stay. They told them they needed it for a road. And that's exactly where the attack or, or, or on the, the nearby attack on the doctors and nurses, the 73 who were killed on their way to, to Hadassah were massacred. And had the Palmach been there, maybe they would have been saved. That the the um, Supreme Court has been ruling on this and looking into it. Ownership is very clear. Now, people did live there, and they've lived there for many years. So the court recognized that and said that they could have a protected status and stay there as long as they paid rent. But they're refusing to pay rent, and there are squatters who moved into other uh, places of nothing to do with it. And, and they want to pass it on, like the refugees status to generation to generation, and that's not what the court ruled. So people are, are, are trying to portray this, and has been portrayed as settlers in our own capital as settlers, and that it was a land grab. You know, this is something Israel has been negotiating. This, this is going on for years and many years. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the... Um uh, the ceasefire proposal, or what's being bandied about uh, by the PA, by Hamas, the one year, etc. I mean, that in and of itself, I assume, is a real indication, I, I guess this was your point earlier of mentioning it, that the enemy realizes that they have been completely overwhelmed by Israel's response, correct? I mean, yes. that, that that in and of itself is, is, is proof positive. You mentioned, as you were going through the uh, possibilities of a ceasefire, you mentioned Turkey in addition to Egypt. Tell us about Turkey's role in all of this. Turkey, Erdogan, for many years has been promoting this idea of Al-Aqsa under siege. And I, I, honestly, I personally confronted him about it. 
And so what I'm saying is not hearsay. It's, it's stuff that I heard from his own mouth right. uh, about this. And I confronted him about it. And he said to me, well, how do you know? And I said, look, you know and I know, so let's get beyond it. And he did. And then he told me, ultimately, you can't beat a caliph without Jerusalem. It's his megalomaniac, hegemonic view of the world. And he wants Turkey to be take over where uh, everything that the Ottoman Empire had and beyond. And he has instigated and paid for riots on uh, for many years on the Temple Mount, uh, as as Iran pays for a lot of the Hamas uh, um, activities. You know, the Hamas leadership is based in in, in Istanbul. Many of them, and he, he uh, so he, they they have been deeply involved, increasingly in Gaza itself, but also within Israel. So so and, with Akko and with Haifa and with Lud and Tel Aviv, the most significant inner rioting to them is the ones that were happening in Jerusalem. Absolutely. Wow. Everything else is just an add-on, so to speak. All they care about or all he cares about is is doing whatever's necessary to move possession or move um, um, jurisdiction of Jerusalem to, to who we call the enemy. That's basically and, 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 you know, when you point out to him, as I did, that people died because of this, I said, you can go on a computer. And I gave him the address where you could see the cam, the the Kotel uh, cam, and uh, you could see the pictures of Harabayan all the time, 24-6. I said, you could see it. That none of the stuff you're saying is true. The allegations about the activities and stuff is not true. And, in fact, Jews can't pray on there. Christians are not allowed to pray on there. They, I mean, they, we've made maybe too many concessions, but many concessions. And we want to see peace up there. When nobody wants to see this place turn into that, our vice turns into a, a bloodbath. But his the, the lies and the distortions that get promulgated, and as, as you pointed out, then people, the, so many people, the media pointing back to this as, as if this ignited the fuse, uh, the events there. When this is stuff that had been planned for a long time, you know, you can see the pictures in the mosques on our mind where they had uh, stockpiled rocks and firebombs and stored them in different um, locations. So this was not haphazard. This was right. not just an instant reaction. So if the Supreme Court decision was not what really, quote-unquote, set them off, was it a target of Yom Yerushalayim? Do you think this was the plan? They knew a Jerusalem celebration was coming up this past Monday? It, 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 it was a flashpoint, and it did contribute to the overall tension. Uh, and, and the more the media focuses on it, the more the, the uh, rioters and the uh, instigators believe that they've hit pay dirt. Yeah. And, and they think they're winning in the battle as when... Congress people, everybody, you know, who who made statements equating, you know, the the uh, arsonists and the firefighters and and putting Israel and the Hamas and Israel and uh, the other uh, the rioters and instigators on the same level. That's why also the the, the when Israel when Jews were, were did engage in selected a few actions. Uh, not comparable to what went on across uh, many cities, uh, and especially the mixed cities in, in Israel, uh, it feeds it, because yep. they're getting propaganda victories. Yeah, no question about it. Malcolm Holmline with us. All right, um, Tuesday night was, was a lonely night, and what I mean by that was, uh, with everything happening, you know, even 6,000 miles away, with everybody focused on the news from Israel, it seemed like there was nobody on our side. A lot of people that I spoke to were frustrated that 
that people weren't taking to the streets. And then thank God on Wednesday, and I'm sure you noticed this, you you likely endorsed it and encouraged it. Uh, a lot of cities here in the United States and other parts of the world uh, started waking up. And people who are uh, who are for Israel, people who understand the right of Israel to defend itself, did take to the streets in many cities, Baruch Hashem. And uh, and the reaction started to be, you know, an appropriate one uh, when when people around the world are concerned about what's happening in Israel. Um, This battle, which I guess comparably, I mean, there's thousands of them we can, you know, compare them to for God knows how many centuries. But let's compare for a moment to 2014 is a little bit different this time around because of the social media component. Young people have asked me what they can do. And frankly, Malcolm, in addition to praying and in addition to hitting the streets, which I'm sure you're proud of those who did organize protests this week, uh, especially because the enemy was pretty active on the streets this week. In addition to that, we must convince the young people to utilize their acumen when it comes to social media to fight these battles, to dispel the myths, and to make their voices heard. 100% correct. And the, But the first thing they have to do is educate themselves to make sure they have the facts and and, and make sure that we address the right things. As you know, there was a, a story that was current all over and went, went around the world um, about an incident on Coney Island Avenue and that there was siege and people were thing and and that the Palestinian demonstration and it had nothing to do with it. It's an annual event that is marks the end of Ramadan and a few cars they, they they do it each year the police are there, they monitor it. There was no anti Israel no Palestinian flags, there were flags of Islam. But that's all. So we have to make sure number one, that Good we point. get Good the point. truth. Right. Two, that you'll be able to answer uh, what, for instance, now the, the numbers that will go up because Israel uh, struck during the night on some of the tunnels, as you know, underneath all of Gaza, there's a network of tunnels. So when Israel, which gives advance warning, and again, something we should tell them, the knock on the roof is a, is a, a signal. No army in the world tells its enemy that it's coming. But <laughs> that is just to avoid <laughs> civilian casualties, even though they know the bad guys will escape. But they go into the tunnels, and Israel, and I think this thing about the invasion, many of the, the leadership and others went into the tunnels, and Israel hit the tunnels. Right. So we will find out the the real number, and the, the new rockets they have have a much bigger range. So people know the facts that Israel is responding, it's not initiating, it. but now no society in the world, no country in the world would put its people under this kind of, of a threat, constant threat, that they, they children, and, and it it, the numbers belie the truth because the trauma is just as dangerous and as debilitating as, God forbid, a, a real uh, direct hit or, or injury that uh, people live. You, you demoralize them, you, you, and especially children are deeply affected uh, by this. So the, the first thing is to get the facts and absolutely go on all the media. Answer the people who are... Uh, publishing these these falsehoods, no matter who it is, and and also press elected officials to come out and speak out for Israel, and those who waffle or those who you know constantly go from one side to the other, and who are not willing to make a clear statement doesn't say they don't have to be sympathetic to the deaths of anybody. We're all nobody wants to see uh, death, but the death of, of murderers and and leading terrorists. Did we did we mourn the loss of Osama bin Laden? Well, these are all mini Osama bin Ladens. And yet you see all the crocodile tears and everybody, and these people, including some who represent Jewish areas, 
uh, or from New York City who have not come out clearly and who feel, you know, the pressure of the squad, well, they got to make a decision. Is that where they think that America should head? Is that where they think they're the basis of the policies they want to advocate? Or do they stand up for the thing that's right and stand up for our ally in the region? Everybody's watching it. All of our the, the new partners in, in the Middle East of Israel, the Abraham uh, Accords, etc. They're all watching, and they're watching where America comes out, because then they say, if Israel can't rely on them, how could we? And I think that the presidents yesterday made very clear they did not qualify. They just said that you know Israel's right to defend itself and did not uh, jump on the bandwagon. And others, and some members of Congress like Richie Torres have been uh, amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. And others have been very disappointing. Yeah, uh, so true. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NahumSegal.com, and the NahumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. You've just alluded to it, but I want it stated a little bit more clearly, and maybe with a little bit more defiance. There's a shift out there, Malcolm. There's a, a shift, and this is another difference between 2014 and today, in my opinion. Uh, there are people in Hollywood... There are people in politics, there are people in the media who were reliable uh, a decade ago when it came to Israel's right to defend itself. And even they, who made strong statements for Israel years ago, are you know, waking up to wokeness or are waking up to the pressure that the propaganda of the other side is putting on them. And they are adjusting what they're saying. It's not just, you know, candidates for office who don't know what to do because, you know, all they care about is their own personal interest. It's also people in entertainment and in politics who are, you know, feeling the heat, feeling the pressure. And they feel now that their response or their public statements have to be even-handed. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's the part of the cancel culture. It's part of the ideological shift that takes place, is taking place in the United States. Uh, I, I wouldn't uh, ignore the many people who have come out and uh, support Israel, but, it, but it's very difficult for them. And I, I've spoken to people and asking them, urging them. And, they, you know, they, they tell me what the culture is like now, what the, the pressures that come to bear on them. Yeah for for uh, saying pro-Israel things. You know, not, isn't it interesting that none of them condemn uh, um, the, the Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad for firing missiles that land in Gaza and kill people in Gaza? Forget about the attacks on Israel. That 500, at least, of the missiles landed in their own territory, killing people indiscriminately. Wow. How come you don't hear anybody say... This is this is a, a talk about the reality. So when again, when you see the numbers, don't just assume the numbers are right, and that that, that Israel is not is has done gone so far out of its way to avoid civilian casualties. They did knock on the roof. Uh, by the way, they did not knock on the roof yesterday when they knocked out two of the top Hamas terrorists. Right. Uh, I'm sure they've evaluated and said we have no choice. We got to take them out. They have to. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the only way you're going to stop it, and so it's cutting off the head of the snake. If you, yeah. you if you want, Israel had 160 planes in the air at that time over Gaza. 160. They could carpet bomb Gaza into the Middle Ages, but they're avoiding it at their cost. And yet, you see the the, the um, blatant and one-sided reporting and coverage. So people just don't scream and yell anti-Semite. 
Go and give them the facts. Tell the American people what's really happening. Call in shows. Anything you can do, but especially on the Internet, where more and more, especially young people, get all of their information. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Go at it, everybody. Those 20, and I'm, I, I'm honestly, you know, I'm encouraged by what I'm hearing over the last few days, because when things escalate in Israel, we hear things like this, about how many young people are tuning in to hear our conversations because they want to know what to say. Get on these social media sites with the information you're getting, responsible information, and be strong in the response and be strong in the condemnation, especially when the Hollywood and political types get out there and make outrageous statements. We encourage you to do so. You guys who are younger than we are are much better at it than we are. Do what you can to be effective on social media. Um, there are some armchair generals who are saying if Donald Trump was still president, this wouldn't have happened. I think that's ridiculous. What's your reaction to that? I don't think we should engage in partisan politics about an issue of this seriousness. It's it's speculation one way or another. Uh, you know, I've seen it, and there are people who feel very strongly about it. But to me, this is—it's not—it's not productive right now. Right now, we've got a, an administration that we have to continue to work with and to pressure. We have to thank all of those who stand up for us, and the Republicans or Democrats, and and acknowledge it and and be appreciative. And at the same time, to hold to account people on both sides of the aisle who are not. Right. Did, the, the, did, did the vice president say anything, or that's not fair? Vice presidents normally in this situation would just defer to president. And, and don't make their own public statements on these things. Uh, honestly, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember seeing anything. But again, it may not be fair because I don't know if they generally would go out of their way if the president has already made a statement to. Yeah, but Blinken and Sullivan have right, made right. many comments. They claim that someone from the U.S. Uh, administration is actually heading to Israel, but I didn't see a name associated with that story. Do you know of anybody from? Yes, the, the Middle East, uh, the top Middle East official, because there's no undersecretary for Middle East. Uh, Amir Hader is there now. Um, what's with the airport situation? Not, not of course, questioning Israeli security authorities. If they have to close the airport, I get it. But do you think this is something that's going to be long-term, or they literally do this when they see that places like Lud and Tel Aviv are under attack? Well, they were targeted. They targeted the airport. They they tried to shoot there, and they even tried to, toward the Ramon base in the south because, you know, planes were diverted. Right. Uh, and uh, so the airports are closing, not because they want to. By the way, private planes and cargo planes can still land, as far as I, I know, as of yesterday. In Tel Aviv. In Tel Aviv. In Tel Aviv. Right. But the... Um, uh, but often planes are diverted to Cyprus. They were diverted to other places. There are some that, I don't know, from Belgium that had a circle for an hour or an hour and a half. But overall, the Israelis are very careful. Remember, El Al planes are equipped with this diversionary um, ability that if a missile is fired, that it releases the aluminum shreddings or whatever that can uh, distract the, the missile uh, from its course. Wow. Uh, Wow. So, you know, they're in a better wow. position than most uh, other aircraft. The most American airlines have have postponed, I think, flights, but they are booking people for next week. Right. At least people I've spoken to. Um, yeah, so it's not it's not haphazard. They're targeting anything that can uh, hit Israel's uh, economy that can and, and aiming mostly at civilian populations. And that's, again, the point that's missed. Israel targets really specific a motorcycle on a street uh, one apartment one room in an apartment where they have launchers in high rises uh, missile launchers and yet israel is able to take them out israel used drones by the way they're using sophisticated drones one was shot down 
early this morning, uh, Israel, well, during the night, our night. Um, but they, you know, they hit a pipeline and it set on, on fire a tank, a uh, oil tank uh, near Haifa. So they're they're trying to hit the infrastructure. They want to hit, uh, but the, but they want to hit indiscriminately civilian populations. And Israel engages in the most limited response against the terrorist entity that uses these human shields. And we have to remind people how they do it, that they fire from civilian populations against civilians, which is clearly a war crime. You know, another point I wanted to make, and I obviously a lot of six-day war talk this week for those who you know care about Jerusalem and Israel because of Yom Yerushalayim. And I was speaking to one of my sons, and uh, we were talking about Israel fighting on all fronts, which, of course, yet another aspect of that miracle of 54 years ago. When you think about it, uh, especially knowing the uh, M.O. of Nasrallah and others up north, it is amazing they don't take advantage of this situation, especially this incredible barrage, and have not, and thank God, Bliyayn Hara, Bliyayn Hara, have not coordinated to make trouble up there for the Israeli army and its civilians. And I think that that's a, a really important thing to keep in mind, that they're still in check, even with this bedlam going on out of Gaza. So there were the rockets fired from Lebanon that uh, landed, three of them that landed in an open field yesterday. The Hamas, uh, Hamas and Hezbollah have coordinated. Hamas does have people in Lebanon that are supposed to be coordinating uh, with them. But you are right. There was the broad expectation that this would happen. But Israel sent some very strong messages, and I reported on it uh, when it took place, when the exercise took place, where they hit. Right. Uh, showed simultaneously that they could hit them a thousand uh, targets at a time. And Israel also was mobilizing for a month long exercise that was supposed to take place now. And Hezbollah put its people on high alert. They are not going to uh, attack when they know that Israel has the abilities that it has up north. Uh, also, they, they know that this time there will be an immediate response to take out the 150,000, as many of the 150,000 missiles, but certainly the production sites the, for the guided missiles, the uh, other things, they, you know, they've, they, they've lost the ability to, with the tunnels, although they will continue to try. You notice that they also started to build tunnels from in Gaza, even though you have the wall there, which means they're going down beneath the wall, which goes down far and has all t- sorts of electronic sensors and other things. They, they tried with uh, r- r- rockets crossed. They've tried with putting IEDs, explosive devices, and to try to cross the border. So they've tried on the air, under the ground, and on the ground, and it, it, they haven't penetrated Israel. And I think that they are uh, anxious, they are very concerned, and the people of Lebanon don't want a war, and, right. and they've been losing support there, so it's, it's, um, while the stre- it's their own husband. While the street in Gaza is more inclined to war against Israel, right? You'd say it that way. The people don't have a choice. Mm. They're, they're, they're under, under the control. If they should get rid of this government of the of the Hamas, there are anybody who does any dissident ends up at the end of a rope or a firing squad. Uh, you know, so they clamp down. And when there are people who do speak out, and you've had them, you've had them in the West Bank too, where dissidents, uh, uh, the, the Abbas goes after and clamps down on them, and sometimes eliminates them. 
so people, you know, not free to, to really speak up, and they, 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 they can't have an election. And, and remember, again, I remind people that this is a diversionary tactic for, right. for, for Fatah to start the violence because he was canceling the election. There was a lot of negative reaction, and people's attention uh, was focused on that. Hezbollah has tremendous capacity. They have precision-guided systems, but they know what the price will be. All right. Um, I hate to bring more politics into this, but to say that this audience is not curious about this would be incorrect. Um, what does all of this mean regarding the potential for the formation of a new Israeli government? It seems Naftali Bennett has already said that uh, any negotiations with um, uh, Yesha Tid are off. Um, in light of the circumstances, what could you tell us about uh, all of these uh, uh, political negotiations in Israel in light of what's happening this week? Well, I certainly think it's a game changer, uh, and I'm, I am not cynical enough to believe, and I think people should resist those who say, well, this was manipulated because it was Netanyahu's last stand. That's ridiculous. Nobody puts a country at war like uh, like this. Um, they, the... Um, I think the fair, that the Ram Party, which was going to be critical to the uh, to the anti Netanyahu coalition's ability to get to sixty one, uh, clearly under these circumstances, not going to be joining coalition, or most of the parties won't join today with uh, with them in a coalition. So the the uh, and and Bennett withdrawing from uh, the association with uh, Lapid because I think his his voters are demanding that. So this is a, a real shakeup in the system. I think that it, it, it more likely signals an election in September. Wow! Uh, but but it's not impossible that there would be a coalition with uh, if Saar goes along with Bennett, then Netanyahu could extend it, and he probably would have to give them the prime ministership, even if first or on a rotational basis. But it, it's certainly not out of the question now. Unbelievable. And there are people who are blaming incitement by those on the political right in Israel. I think Ben Gvir has been singled out, frankly, um, for some of the reaction against Arabs and for, you know, uh, escalating things that 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 otherwise would likely calm down. Uh, Would you say that's an irresponsible evaluation? I I don't follow Ben Gvir's comments. I do think he says very extreme things and... um, you know, whoever was responsible for mobilizing people to go to these different places, not to defend them, uh, but to, to join in escalating the violence or anybody who, who joined in any attacks, will be held to account. The Israeli police have proven, uh, and, and even during these days, though there are not enough of them, and they couldn't respond to all the circumstances. So people had to take some steps, like in Lud, where, where literally the fathers and went downstairs, those who didn't have guns with baseball bats, to protect their homes. And, and as I said, just look at what they did to the synagogues and to stores, and, to, and, and they live next door to each other. It's not foreigners coming into it. And the, the, um, if you see the pictures of the marches and why people felt it like it was a pogrom of, of old, revisiting them, yeah, but the, the so anybody involved in instigating from either side is, deserves to be punished and to be held to account. But again, they didn't start it. You know, people. I see the stories about what went on in in Lud, which is where the facts on the ground. I think were the exact opposite. Understood. 
And when one sees fire in Jewish areas in the middle of the night, all we think about is pogroms and crystal knocks of old. Uh, so I think the term is certainly quite appropriate. Uh, maybe on a regular era of Shuas, we would turn to you for a similar message, but certainly this time, Malcolm, and this is something that came up yesterday when we were focused on talk about the Jewish community, uh, both nationwide and around the world, uh, diverse but unified. Uh, you know, if, I don't think this holiday, I don't think any holiday says it more than the upcoming holiday. Uh, we, 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 we have to acknowledge our diversities, a lot of opinions out there and right to left. And, you know, the Israeli media more than anybody reflects that. Although one might say there's a lot more left than right there. Um, um, but the, uh, we, we, we have to focus, especially as we fight this battle on social media and in the, uh, in the public eye and with the government officials and with the candidates, we have to focus on what unifies us because if we don't stay strong now in defense of Israel, uh, then very quickly things are going to turn in a very bad direction if they're not already. So it is taking to the streets and it's a lot of prayer. I get all of that and I'm not minimizing any of it. But if we don't actively, everybody in every generation tuned in right now, if we don't actively get out there and emphasize our unity, uh, then you know we are risking our uh, our sovereignty, frankly, over the state of Israel. So there's no yontif that better symbolizes that that the whole reason for Shavuos is because we stood kishachad belevachad at Har Sinai as one people with one heart. That of all the things that God demanded of us, this was the one condition, precondition, which was unity, after the Jew, unity of the Jewish people. It doesn't mean homogeneity. As you said, we have a very diverse community. There has to be limits on that diversity. You can't have what people are doing now where some Jewish spokesmen are attacking Israel and making ignorant and sometimes just blatantly hostile comments. Dangerous. Criticism, dangerous. you know, is one thing. Okay. And nobody is saying everybody has to march in lockstep. Uh, but they are dangerous because the others pick it up. The, uh, you know, the people, the Omars and others, use it as a cover and an excuse, and it dissuades those who want to speak up. And they're saying, yes, but look, your own community is divided. Right. We're not divided. The vast majority, the overwhelming majority, stand together. And there are discordant voices. But focus on the positive and where we have to stand together to make your voice heard to support in, in Congress, every bill, everything that stands with Israel, uh, supposedly an Air Force plane landed in, Is- in Israel yesterday with supplies from uh, Ramstead Air Force Base in Germany. The U.S.-Israel relationship is so vital and so important. You know, don't jump just to criticisms and, and interpretations. See that the, the strength of that relationship is vital to Israel's security. But most of all, it's the relationship with one another. And uh, I just hope that people will will think about it in this yantiv and will make their voices heard and and emulate ishachad belebachad that we whatever criticism we have of one another or or of any political personality you know people it's this is not the time for that this is the time when we think of the people who were killed and a woman died this morning you know who who just got hurt running from a, a missile attack you know as i said it's the trauma it's the numbers of people a father and a child that get killed and we don't want to see blood we don't we don't rejoice like on in on pesach about deaths in mitzrayim but we certainly don't mourn the loss of all these terrorist leaders whose hatred and uh, is no less so than the Nazis. This is a reincarnation in many cases, uh, and using Nazi-like uh, propaganda. So 
people, please speak out, make your voice heard, and when there are responsible events taking place, demonstrations, manifestations, join them. Invite members of Congress to your shuls now to talk to them or to meet with them, but make sure that they know where you stand and that we're watching what they say or what they don't say. A lot of people are anxious to hear your reaction to some of the results of the Pew Research. We'll try to get to that a week from today. I wish you a wonderful Shabbos and a Chag Sameach, and thanks so much for joining us this morning. Chag Sameach and a great Shabbos, and God willing, we'll hear only good news in the coming days, and then we can talk about the Pew poll. Yeah, we'll we'll get to it, folks, but there's a lot of news to cover, and we appreciate Malcolm's input on all of these issues and news stories. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM.